0: guys need a Bible? You know we always have Bibles in the back, there on the shelf. Maybe you didn't know that. If you need one, go ahead and grab one. It's yours to keep if you don't have a Bible with you. And especially if those of you who are here that, that um, you know, that are new to the faith or just investigating who Jesus is, you know, we welcome you uh, here and we want you to have the Word of God. We know that the Word of God is the power of God really to save us as we as we soak in it, as we read it, as it becomes... Revealed to us by the power of the Holy Spirit, it's amazing how God ministers our heart. And I would say there are certain times where I've taught before, and I don't teach every Sunday. Obviously, Pastor Brian does uh, a bulk of the, che- of the teaching here. But as a pastor here, I'm always prepared to do it when needed. And in the past, I've, I've, I've been very systematic in how I prepared a, a message. And usually it's of my own choosing, and I'm like, okay, what's the Lord speaking to me? And how can I convey this to all of you? And uh, this, this time around, it's like, no, this is in the series, this is in the lineup, this is uh, the next wave to catch, if you will, as far as messages with Pastor Brian doing a uh, bulk of the teaching, and so it's been a little bit different, but I will say that it's been divinely appointed for all of us to go over this passage today, and it's really a heavy one, it's really a heavy one, it's, it's not something to take lightly, so I'm just going to tell you first off that you, each one of you are here divinely appointed, Okay? We're all here divinely appointed. There's a reason why you're here. And hopefully by this 45 minutes or so that I have to share with you guys this morning, there'll be something of your heart in the depths and the core of it that rejoices in the Lord in a greater measure or is given over to the Lord for healing, for Him to work healing in your heart, if that's the case. Because we're looking at something very intense this morning. It's interesting because last week, you know, we had this special, if you were here, we had the Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving message by Pastor Brian. He skipped this, went to the Last Supper, and said, you teach it after I leave to New Zealand. <laughs> just because it is a heavy passage. So uh, I just wanted to give you that as, a, as an expectation, as something that you guys can say right now in the quiet of your heart. Lord, will you speak to me what you want to speak to me today? Because I know he's been working overtime with me personally. And you guys, I, I want to tell you that... Uh, that I am very grateful for certain um, people in my life, but I have not been as grateful for my wife probably ever than I have the last few weeks. My wife, Wendy, for those of you who know her, is a gem, and we have three sons together, and we we, uh, we are just blessed beyond belief to have them. They're here today, but in particular, my wife has been the vessel that God has been using in the last uh, part of my life where we've, we've sat, we've cried together, and we've... Uh, We've come together in a, in a sense that says, Lord, my heart is heavy. I cannot do this. You know, I can't, I, can't, I can't put on my happy face and be all hunky-dory and just say, yeah, you know, here's a, a scripture. Take this self, and you'll be fine in the morning. You know, there's times where there's seasons where you go through, and the Lord takes you through them, and you're just laying prostrate. And all you can do is lift up your head, and that's a victory. You know, that's what it's been like for, for us. And so I'm, 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 in one sense, I'm a little scared because I don't want to give over to emotion because these are things are personal matters and we're, we're working through them. but I will tell you guys I will tell you this find more than that wait for wait for you single guys wait for a woman who loves and serves the Lord passionately that really takes him serious because you're gonna be weak men you're going to be weak, and you're going to need somebody alongside. The scripture says if one falls down, there's another to pick them up, right? That's been my wife this, this week. And, and guys, for you to, to wait for that kind of woman, that Proverbs 30 woman, is going to pay huge dividend dividends. And I'm 42, and I'm just rejoicing. My heart's opening up to more of the reality of why God brought us together as a couple. And it's a really it's an amazing thing through these times of, of, of pain. There's times of just sincere gratitude. So, honey, I just want to say I love you, and I thank you so much for being with me. Um, There's a, the reason why it's heavy this morning, and and mind you, I just wanted to say briefly, too, is that I had three or four different versions of the slides that I was going to put up for this message, and uh, I kept talking about it, talking about it, and praying with the Lord, and finally, I just said, forget them. So for better or for worse, here we go. <laughs> chapter 14 started out with a beautiful story of, of a woman who comes and it's Mary. We find out it's Mary in chapter 14 of the book of Mark. And she takes this year worth of value, breaks the bottle, and pours out this oil over her over Savior, over her God. And we know that, that Mary comes and does that in the first few verses here through 9. And we're given this description of how she spares no expense to show her worship of her Savior. See, there's nothing held back with this type of example. It's how the, we want to be with our worship, right? It doesn't matter what the cost is. We want to we show Jesus how much he means to us because of all he's done for us. And, and that's the first 9 Verses of 14. It's almost like you need some good news, be, you know, before the bad news, because the rest there's 72 verses, you guys, in the chapter 14 alone, and nine is like the last part of good fresh breath air, or a, a, a you know, breath of fresh air, if you will. There's uh, the rest of the verses are all bummer. You know, 72 verses of a chapter. It's almost like well, we can't stop now because there's more bummer to come, so let's just extend. The translators, you know, the chapter out. It took them 72 verses to end the chapter because it just doesn't get better. We have Jesus being betrayed by Judas, which we're going to look at this morning. We have the, the Passover meal, which we looked at last week with Pastor Brian, and that's kind of good, but in the middle of it, he's telling the disciples, You're gonna, one of you is going to betray me, so it's not even the best meal. It's like the most confusing meal for them, right, and the most devastating meal, and they're, they're like... Uh, Totally uh, lost in thought, is it I? That's what they ended up asking themselves. And then they go from there, and then, and then Mark talks about how uh, Peter, his, his spotlight's on him, and, and Peter takes it, denies that he even knows Jesus. And then you have Jesus going, and, he, and in the crux of the pressure in his life, he's laying in the garden prostrate before his father, and he just says, hey, I'm going to go off. You guys stay here. You guys pray. And they fall asleep, and they fall asleep again. And they fall asleep again. And he he goes, you know what, let's just rise, let's go. The betrayer's at hand, and then here comes the party with Judas. And of all things, Judas walks up to Jesus, and he gives him a kiss. Now, you guys, this is, is, for me, what, what really brings this home, is we're talking about the betrayal and the denial of Jesus Christ. The betrayal and the denial, chapter 14 of Mark. And it's not just some distant, far off group that does the betraying and the denying, right? These are the closest. In fact, uh, looking at Judas, it, it, it identifies him as one of the 12. It keeps saying that one of the 12, one of the 12, one of the 12. And if you just come into this passage and you don't have any of the backstory or the build-up to this, then you kind of miss it. But when you really put it out in context, one of the 12 means what? Out of everyone, eternity passed forward. Jesus chose 12 people, 12 men, and said, I'm going to open my life up to you in a way that I I don't open myself up to everyone. These are privileged men. These are men that got to journey with him for three years at this point of ministry to watch him lay down his life for those that didn't deserve it or weren't used to it. You know, going up to a woman and saying, you've been bleeding long enough, this is a paraphrase, I'm going to touch you and make you well. You know, he sends people leaping after he encounters them, right? Right? The people get healed and they're they're just rejoicing. And and, in three years, they're watching this. And yeah, he says some strange things along the way. We've studied a lot about that. But more or less, you have one of the 12 does the betraying. Now, have you ever thought about this, you guys? When you think about the suffering of our Savior, what's first that comes to your mind? Cross, right? The cross, which which is what we focus on. We boast in it. Let me boast in nothing but this that I boast in the cross of Christ. There's something to that. But do you know what? After reading this and experiencing these things and really contemplating the reality of the fact that our Jesus suffered in a way that we don't necessarily think about all that much is that he didn't get, like, turned in by some Roman that he didn't know very well or that didn't know him very well, I should say. These are one of the 12 that he's saying is going to betray me. And later on, Peter, one of the three of the inner inner circle if you will ends up saying what when asked I don't know him stop asking me I've already told you I'm not one to be associated with him and when you have betrayal when you have denial by somebody you don't care about it doesn't affect you but it when it's somebody that's close when it's somebody that you've opened up your life to, when we're talking about somebody who's supposed to be faithful and and there for you in your toughest suffering and they're not there, and quite the opposite, they're turning their back on you and they're turning you into the authorities and they're saying, yeah, I acted like one of the team, but really I'm not. When you find those things out, you realize the suffering of Christ, the intensity of it was not so much the nails, but the actual relationships that turned themselves away from him and some of you guys some of you know that intimately and so today you're either going to walk out of here rejoicing that the Lord was able to do that and go through that because he tells you in more of a fuller picture how much he loves you or at least you're going to be able to say that if so happens that I am experiencing something not the same but something similar from the closest people in my life, that we have reason to say, Jesus, you know what it's like. And dare I say, or not dare I say, but I will say this strongly, you guys, is that not the most painful thing of suffering there is to take? The betrayal of someone close? It's the most painful. It's the acid in the wound, it's the salt in the wound. It's like, I could take the suffering. Go ahead and cut me. Go ahead and give me a diagnosis. It's something out there, it's just suffering. It's lost in that. But when you have Jesus in this intense time, when he needs those people, needs, wants, desires, he was human, remember? He was human as well as divine. There's that divine uh, part in him, but not disassociated from the reality that this hurts to the core. Because it's not just one of the many out there, it's one of the twelve. So I told you it was going to be heavy. Let's read the passage, okay? Start in verse 10. It said, Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare that you may eat the Passover? And he sent out two of his disciples and said to them go into the city and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water follow him and whenever he go wherever he goes in say to the master of the house the teacher says where's the guest room in which I may eat the passover with my disciples and then he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared there make ready for us so his disciples went out and came into the city and found it just as he had said to them and he prepared the passover and they prepared the passover In the evening he came with the twelve. And now as they sat and ate, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you who eats with me will betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and say to him, one by one, is it I? And another said, Is it I? And he answered and said to them, It is one of the twelve who dips with me in the dish. And the Son of Man indeed goes, just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. So the intensity of this meal, kind of feel the crux of it in how Jesus is with the disciples. And he is actually, it's very telling in this passage of how he is with Judas. In another parallel gospel in John, we're going to look a little bit at how he is with Peter. And really it comes down to this, you guys, that Jesus is far more gracious and merciful than they ever deserved. Okay? And here's the crux for all of us, too, is that we all have an element of Judas and Peter in our own testimony, don't we? We all have that kind of thing. Now, I want to I put up a definition for betrayal. I just got this from my computer dictionary. Oh, you can't really read that, huh? Well, let me read it for you. You all know what it is anyways. It's a verb. It says to be disloyal to one's country, one's organization, or ideology by acting in the interests of the enemy. Treacherously inform an enemy of the existence or location of a person or organization. Treacherously reveal secrets or information. The origin comes from the Latin, tradere, which means to hand over. Wow, Wow. that's just from the dictionary. Like, where'd they get this, from Mark 14? (laughs) Like, this is like, what? Judas is acting in the interest of who? The enemy. The enemy wants Jesus destroyed, right? Hands him over. That's what the the word betray means. Treacherously inform the enemy of existence or location of. Well, he did that, right? He says, the one, when we go to the garden, just follow me, I'll tell you where he's at. Treacherously reveal the secrets or information. So we have an example here of betrayal unlike any other. Now, guys, some of you know what that feels like, very close to home. Let's throw out a few examples. We don't need to go through many of them, but just to get the idea. Some of you guys had parents that weren't there for you. Some of you guys had parents that left. Some of you guys have children that have left. So I don't want anything to do with you. Some of you guys had close friendships. You did everything together, and something came between you guys. And you feel every sense of the word of betrayed. And you're asking yourself, what happened to that relationship? Some of you have family, siblings, close friends, roommates. All of us, I'm sure, can think of people that we were once close to. But that sense of betrayal comes forth when you think about them. Or at least denying that you even had a relationship to begin with. And that truly brings us to the core of feeling the sting. But when you see the Savior and you realize here's the Savior and how he treats people is altogether all holy and pure and truthful and just, right? His dealings with other people. In other words, no one can find fault in him, even under examination. But with us, where are we at? Are we pure in all of our motives? Are we perfect in how we treat other people? In other words, do we have a part to play at all? Sometimes not. Sometimes not. Sometimes you're just left bewildered with the fact that, really, God? Really? This is what happened? This is how I've been treated? And there's other times you're like, you know what? I had something to do with that, be it little or big. At the end of today, I just want to spend some time praying, you know, for some of these things. Because in my heart, especially recently, I've had to deal with those things. Like, what, what, what do I do with the example of Christ and how he treated These guys, and at the same time, see myself in these guys. It really makes a difference. Now, right here, I'm just going to pause to say we all, or at least most of us, I would say, fair to guess, in the church, would know the gospel, right? What's at the core of the gospel, you guys? What is the meat of the gospel? That we who have sinned, that we have forsaken the Lord in our own way, as Isaiah would describe, as sheep of that we just wander, we stray. We all have. For all have fallen short of the glory of God. We have been saved by a God who didn't judge us, even though he could. But he took our place, went in our place, and suffered the wrath and judgment from the Father. So that what? So that we could be received by the Father in relationship and be his sons and his daughters forever. The gospel. The gospel. Right? Sometimes you just have to remember, or remember that, remind yourself afresh, and preach the gospel to yourself in those times where you feel like, ah, I really, I really can just write those guys off. I can really write that person off. I really don't, I'm totally justified. They've done what they shouldn't have done, and therefore they're out of my life, and they're written off. And I don't have to pray for them, and I don't have to serve them, and I don't have to deal with them. And if, if I don't see them ever again, then, then great. Now try and do that, and then remind yourself of the gospel again. What does it do to your attitude? What does it do to your perspective on those that have hurt you? And some of you know this very intimately well, and some of you are like, well, my life's been pretty smooth. But I would just say the gospel changes it all. Changes it all. Who can complain more than Jesus Guys, have you been given over and betrayed to the point where it means your death on a cross? Now, Jesus is ordaining this. It just said that he said, Go prepare the Passover. And it says in the scripture, as we just read, they found it just as the master had told them. Everything's going according to plan. He's not a victim here. But he's willfully, which makes it even more bewildering to me, he's willfully taking the suffering on himself of betrayal and denial. Do you realize that when Judas came up to Jesus and gave him a kiss, do you ever think about why a kiss? I think it's more in what Jesus doesn't do than what Jesus, that Judas does to him that's more telling. Jesus, if, if it were me, okay, guys, and Judas comes around and he betrays me with a kiss, goes that close, brings him in close, like you should be worshiping him with a kiss, right? Judas walks right up to Jesus and Jesus lets him kiss him. What do we do? Bam! You know, are you going to come to me and kiss me after what you've done? I know what you've done. Jesus doesn't do that. So what do we do? Don't even get close to me because if you do, I'm going to slap you, so to speak. Obviously, that's not God's will. In fact, we play this all the way out. Jesus says clearly on the cross, what did he say? Father, what? forgive them. Because why? They don't know what we're doing. They don't know what they're doing. I was listening to some messages and I loved Tim Keller and he was cracking me up in this way because he was saying when somebody else sins against you he's saying, let's say they say a lie against you they are now a what? Liar. Broad stroke. In other words, all I do is it's, they're just a liar. When I do it I had reason for it. (laughs) Or it's a little fine-tuning, right? Well, not always a liar, just when it's really absolutely justified by God, right? They're a liar. I'm I'm not so bad. I lied, but I'm not a liar. See the difference? We're all guilty. I want to show you some cool stuff in how Jesus pertains to Judas and how he treats him. Notice it says, as they sat in verse uh, 18, as they sat and ate, Jesus said, assuredly, I say to you, one of you who eats with me will betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and say to them, or to him one by one, is it I, is it I? Now, notice, you guys, what did he not say? There's somebody here not a, not, that should never be in this meal with me. In fact, they need to leave right now. Judas, get out. What do you say? He makes a very general statement of one of you. Why, church? Why does he do that? I think there's two main reasons why he does that. Number one, all of them could raise their hand. All of us could say, yeah, that's me. In fact, they start asking it, is it I? All of us could raise our hand. Number two, he's giving Judas Another opportunity, I believe, to repent. If he says, Judas, get out, Judas is condemned at that point, right? Get out of my presence. But he doesn't. He says, one of you are going to betray me. Now, that's true, and it did, and we all know that it did, and it didn't end well, right? Jesus commits suicide, but in, the, in, the, in this particular instance, in the upper room, when you have food, in this case, the Passover meal, like Pastor Brian said last time, it's family you're bringing together. You say, we're, him, we're family right now. We're sharing this cup. We're sharing this bread. You guys are my disciples. Earlier, I said, you're not just my slaves. You're my friends, including Jesus. And in John's gospel, if you want to be even more tripped out and more uncomfortable in your obstinate approach to other people that have wronged you, Jesus, it says after this, says they were reclining Jesus takes off his garments and starts washing their feet. Whose feet did he wash, everybody? Judas. It's the grace and the mercy and the long-suffering and the patience of our Savior and his approach to sinful men and women that gives us a chance to repent even in the 11th hour. Aren't you glad for that kind of God? He had every right To slam the door and tell us, get out. You've denied me. But he doesn't. So there's got to be something to this for me to apply to my own life and for you to apply to yours. And you guys, it's not easy. It takes the empowering of the Holy Spirit through Jesus' sacrifice and victory on Calvary to give you the strength to be able to do this. Because without it, you're lost. You're powerless. There's no way. But when you keep the gospel in view, when you realize, yeah, I can relate to that. I've wronged myself many a times over. Your heart's melted and you can't be bitter. You can't be bitter, at least ongoing indefinitely and be comfortable. You guys, I have one person in my life that has literally been bitter for twenty over 20 years and will not Refuses absolutely to have relationship as a result of how they've been wronged. 20 years. And you sit there and ask yourself, why sit in a prison cell one day, too many, with a key right next to you, and, and not put that key in the cell that you put yourself in through bitterness and anger and, and just thinking the worst of those who have hurt you, why not just pick up that key, which is called grace of God, mercy of God, and put it in the door and get out of that part of hell on earth, right? Why not, why not, why not live in the freedom that comes from you giving over in the reality that you of yourself have sinned and say, I know plenty of Judas's, but that doesn't keep me from forgiving them or at least saying, God, give me the power to Because that will start melting your heart. And you'll start finding that God does some miracles through it. Anybody can relate to God doing some miracles in relationships that you never thought that would ever be possible in? My brother used to ridicule me for being a Christian. He used to tell me, he used to throw a paper in my face and say, look how Christians are falling. And I would say, I don't know, brother. I I don't know what to say. Now that guy is a believer and he's raising his family in Christ. And we just fellowship together all the time and we see each other. Like, how did that happen? I could have stayed there and said, "Get away from me! Get out!" You don't understand the things of God. I mean, can you imagine? I would—I—I I wouldn't be enjoying the fruit today, or at least to this measure. You guys, you've seen it, haven't you? You've seen God work miracles. You've seen those who have betrayed you, and you have actually got a love and a compassion for them. You know what that tells me when I experience that? Is God's real? God, this isn't just a book of fairy tales God means what he says and he wants to empower me to be like him because guess what it's not about me it's about him and when I act like him when I'm empowered to act like him when I'm empowered to treat people as he treated me I'm glorifying him you're glorifying him you can't stay in bitterness and glorify God why? because it's hypocritical you can't accept the grace and say I don't care about those other people As long as I got mine, they bailed on me, I'm bailing on them. It cannot be so with the believer, can it? And guess what? When you get to heaven, you're going to be surprised that they made it in. And they're going to walk to you sometime, and you're going to have to say, whatever you say. (laughs) (laughs) Then, why not do it now? Why not take the key and put it in the lock? And say, you have hurt me to the core. You were never supposed to sin like that against me. You are never supposed to leave me. You are never supposed to desert me. You are never supposed to treat me that way. But I have done the same thing, and I just want to tell you that I forgive you. That's glorifying to Jesus. You guys, turn with me to John chapter 13. I want to end with this before we pray, okay? John chapter 13. It's the other account. This is so powerful. We went through this in the Young Professionals group, and I could not get away from it because of how it just impacted my heart. That's a a lot about when we've been injured. But check this out. When we're the ones denying like Peter, now who could claim closer intimacy with Jesus than Peter? Not many of us, right? Chapter 13, actually. It says... uh, Verse 36 of chapter 13 in the Gospel of John. It says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him and said, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. So here's Peter asserting his uh, dependability, right? He's like, all those other folks can desert you. I will not do it. Jesus answered him and said, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow until you've denied me three times. Jesus lays them just straight, lays them out, just says, this is the reality. You're not going to just be super Christian. You're not going to be super disciple. In fact, you're going to be just the opposite. You're going to find yourself in total despair over what you've done in relationship to me. And you're going to be devastated. Now, look at the next verse, you guys. Let not your heart be what? Everybody who's turned their back on Jesus in some way or another denied their relationship with him. We do this every day in our actions that are sinful. We just basically say, right now I'm taking a break from being a believer, from loving Jesus. I'm going to do what I want. We're denying him, right? It says, for us who have denied him, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you i go to prepare a place for you. What? You're going to build me a mansion? And you just told me that I'm going to deny you. That's there by translator division, not originally there. In other words, there's no break. You're going to deny me three times. Let not your heart be troubled. You're going to be in paradise with me. Guys, how could we take this kind of promise and then say it's not for them? So Judas and Peter, they're in me, and they're in you. And there's Mary in there, too, when we realize, I've been forgiven like a Peter, like a Judas. And then that's when you start breaking jars open. Right? That's when you start taking a year's worth of wages, breaking it open, and pouring it over the Savior's head. Because you know it's worth it. You're not too young to understand this. You're not too old to understand this. It just takes knowing the gospel is true for you and letting it melt your heart towards other people. And now, isn't it crazy, guys, to think about of all the people who probably know they're Judases at the core of who they are, to afford them forgiveness and actually speak words of blessing and peace in their life. You know how, ro- how that would rock them? But we're too busy in our self-righteousness to do that. Does that not encourage you with Peter? Don't let your heart be troubled. You're going to deny me three times. Don't let your heart be troubled. You're going to make it. Guys, we're going to make it. And meanwhile, Jesus has a lot of cool stuff he wants to do through us and through our hearts just giving over to him. You guys with me? This is right from the heart, you guys. It's an exhortation this morning. And I would, I would be amiss if I didn't in our time together just allow for some prayer time. And you guys, it's either one of two prayers that I can think of. Either A, you just want to rejoice and say thank you because of how you've been treated by the Savior. Or B, you have some heavy stuff that you never thought you could let go of and forgive because it was the closest people to you that did it to you. I'm telling you, there's power in the gospel. And I'm in process on this, you guys. I'm in process. Somehow, Jesus miraculously does it. So we don't take credit for it. We just kind of watch him melt our heart and do miracles. Amen? Um, why don't we have the worship team come on up? And we're going to have some people available to pray over here. And I just want to say something about prayer to you guys. When you go over there, the, the question of is it I, we're all asking it, right? So if people go up for prayer or come down to the front and just kneel before God, there's, I just want to encourage you, if you feel motivated to do that because you're crying out to the Lord for help because you can't do it on your own, just know all of us could be up here on the carpet with you, okay? So it's a safe place is what I'm saying. This is a safe place to let your guard down, to at least say, guys, I would rejoice if, if, if just one person were able to just say, that pain, maybe I've never given it to Jesus before in hopes to get to a place where I could forgive and let it go and resign my rights over them. If one person did that, I would rejoice. I know I need to. So in that way, we just encourage us as we worship, there's freedom in the place of this church. There's, there's, there's an a, the area of safety here. So you can have the carpets up here. You can pray by yourself. Anywhere in the room, we have communion available for people. And if you're not a believer, if you haven't given your heart to Jesus, gosh, none of this message really makes sense. Unless you come to a place where you say, Lord, I don't understand it all, but I know I have a lot of pain, I've caused a lot of pain, please forgive me. Please know me. Please allow me the chance to repent this morning and receive that free gift of salvation from him. And then you're free to partake of the. Of the communion because it illustrates for us afresh of what Jesus has done for us. Let's pray together. (sighs) Father God, I just um, recognize this as a is a holy moment Lord and not one that I want to manipulate in any way but just want to allow you to come as you would will and really break hearts Lord today Um, Lord just let this time be just used by you God to really make us a right in how we approach the pains of our hearts Lord I know there's the, the pain varies Lord but the solution is is one focus, that is you and how you've dealt with us. I don't understand how you could call Judas a friend, but you have, and he washed his feet. And so I pray that, God, that we would give over our hearts that have been hurt and betrayed and denied. And that as we have offense that we know we've done to other people or to you, most importantly, that we would lay our lives down before you in humility. And God, let this be a safe place right now. Let it be just a place where we worship together where there's no eyes uh, that are haughty enough to look down on somebody else. Lord, let us all just be looking up to you. And Lord, I pray that you would just cause uh, not only this morning, not only in this moment, but here on out, Lord, the, the days to come, Lord, that you would drill this home in our lives, that we would leave here free from the own prison cells that we put ourselves in when you've given us exit. So, Lord, move, and we just commit our hearts to you, God, right now. Guys, as we just go into this worship, just going to have the worship team play, um, just resign your heart to him afresh. If you have injury, maybe the Lord wants you to pray with somebody and give it up. Uh, But now's the time.